raise a child, it takes a village to abuse one. Hello, and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 85. This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other investigative types as masterpieces. I am Nick, the head journalist of this uh, podcast. Oh, surely, surely you're the, you're the plucky young reporter. <laughs> well, I'm plucky, if nothing else. Because I'm, I'm probably the, the um, corrupt, corrupt old um, priest who's uh, <laughs> trying to cover it all up. Disturbing, but true. Um, we are doing a rare face-to-face podcast today, which may be why we sound more vibrant, dynamic, and probably less well-informed, because we can't instantly Google anything um, that we are not sure about. Oh, you use Google. Great. <laughs> and today we are, we've reached the year 2015. Yep. And we are discussing Tom McCarthy's Spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's mostly in a good way. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah, okay. The the thing that struck me first of all, um, because, well, we, we're, we're not going into details about uh, plot and so on just yet, but, but we opened in 1976. Yes. And we have recently watched Argo. And the the thing that really struck me was that this looks a lot more like the 1976 I remember. You, you know, you don't have to put every man in big sideburns, every woman in great big glasses. Well, that's the thing we talked about with Argo, is that he might be in 1976, but actually living in 1976 is a combination of all the 70s new fashions coming in, plus all the 60s and 50s and 40s. Every, it's a and, mismatch and the stuff of everything. that was just generic, you know, men's business suits haven't changed much since since the Great War. Yeah, not so. everything is, I think, as you would put it, sprayed with a liberal coating of 70s. Um, and here it just feels like this was a little while ago, so things look a bit dated, but it is not everyone's in flared trousers and looks like Huggy Bear. Yeah. But that, that's not the main action anyway. So the, the main setting is... Uh, early 2000s. Early basically. 2000s. Well, I guess the area we now think of as the uh, sort of September the 11th time. Well, that, that, that's a, a plot point in the film. Which becomes... So. We, we follow the, the journalists of the, the Boston Globe. Um, Specifically the Spotlight team, which is, the, the, is still the investigative reporting team. Is it still going? Or is it, it going it's yet? still a thing, yeah. Okay, so this was a long-standing... This is another one of my words. (laughs) Investigative... Flipping heck. Uh, There's no way to say it without using the words. I'm going to have to defer to you, Roger. I I think, to to paraphrase, um, stories that are not simply this happened, that happened, Mm. but, and here is a bit of the information behind it, and background, and we we did a bit of probing, and and... all these things come together and this thing is behind them and that, that sort of thing, you know, the, the big story rather than, you know, may, maybe there is a conspiracy to fix rents as opposed to my granny got tossed out of her flat. Yeah, or here is a press release which we're going to reprint. Um, yeah, we'll definitely come back to that. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, and it's the story, though in some ways it's less about this than about the journalists themselves, it's the story of the uh, discovery, probably not. The shock discovery, honestly, of the 
widespread. Uh, this isn't scan. This isn't libelous to say. This has been proven. The widespread child abuse within the Catholic Church. Um, not, and not so. Not just how widespread it was, but to the extent to which it, the authorities within the church were conniving at covering it up. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think. I mean. All right. Yeah, dis- disclaimer here: I was brought up Catholic. <laughs> I, I personally never met or heard about a priest who was too handsy or whatever. Okay. I don't find it difficult to believe. Um, I mean, every, every, every parish priest I met had a housekeeper who, who was their acknowledged long-term mistress, with one exception. Oh, um, nice. it, it was a, it was actually a great guy, but yeah, this was something that nobody cared about. And, and no, you know, nobody seriously expected the celibacy thing to happen. And that this may have been just the subset of English Catholicism I was in, but there was certainly a, a strong contrast between we believe this and we actually do this. Oh, yes, yeah. It, it was also a time of um, where... Oh, how can I put this without sounding awful? But paedophilia was not the utter... Horror that is since. I, I, well, I, I think this, this this particular investigation of the publicity that came after it was a big part of that. Well, yes, it's, it's not just the weirdo in a car; it's people whom your kids are taught to trust. But it, I, I, certainly, when I was growing up, um, and again, I, I have no personal experience of the Catholic Church, but there would be things like, "Oh, don't." Uh, you know, just saying. Um, don't take uh, sweets from strangers was the thing when I well, was. Well, and also, but you know, don't sit no, on no the... stranger ever offered me sweets, but that was the thing that I was told. You know, never get <laughs> in a car with a stranger. Oof, I... That sort of thing. Yes, but but even that, it was not. It, taken... it, it, it was never a person you already trust might turn out to be dodgy. That was just not a concept that was mentioned, and that's the concept that really should have been mentioned in terms of the abuses that were actually happening. Well, exactly, but it is also, and again, it's sort of separating it from the Catholic Church. Frankly, whenever there are. Uh, positions of power and authority, they just, humans do tend to abuse them, or certain types of humans do abuse them. So the fact that it occurs, I don't think it's a problem particularly of the church itself, but it is, uh, the church is in a position of power or well, authority. I'll, I'll come into that a bit, okay. because I, th- I think that there are multiple ways of doing authority, and the way that, I, I, I've made something of a study of American evangelicals because they tried to take away my role-playing games. <laughs> um, but the, the the thing that a lot of them have is every relationship is authoritarian. There is somebody you look up to and, and the people under you look down on. And if the guy above you tells you to do something, you should just do it. Yes. Uh, so it's sort of pre-Nuremberg outlook, really. It's it, it's sort of pseudo-military. And you've I was going to say, that's quite a militaristic... Well, um, it, it, it's not, not so much in modern military that have, has gone through the lessons of Nuremberg. But it, I, I, I don't mean to make this stronger than it, than it should be. It's just that, that sense of some, somebody above you tells you to do something, your first reaction is to obey, and then maybe you might think, should I really be doing this? But your first reaction is, yes. Now, but and is... The, the thing is, what they don't have, and what the military largely doesn't have, is any sort of parallel reporting hierarchy. I mean, in, in a modern company, all right, HR is not your friend, it's the company's friend, but in theory, there yes. is somebody you can go to and say, my boss is being a problem, can we do something about this? And there isn't and, any of that in... there really isn't in this sort of traditional organisation. And it is, because it is so... It's worth discussing here, because frankly it gets less uh, coverage in the film. Um, the film is more, frankly, about invest... 
to, to oh, flipping heck. about the journalists doing their about investigation. the journalists doing the investigation rather than what they're investigating. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I, I think there's enough that, that the, the, the the key points are being hit. Yes, for, for me at least. But then I do know a fair bit about it already. So, well, so this is another one of our um, true life stories. Though actually, this it's interesting because um, this is. Build is kind of an original screenplay. It's not based on a, a book. It's not based on another work. It's its, mm-hmm. its own work, but it is based in fact. Um, and I, that may be that I, may I, be I haven't unique. Heard, yeah, I haven't heard comments from the principals on this. Um, I mean, there, there are specific real people with names being being uh, their names being used in this, and specific actors playing them. Yeah. And, and I, I, I haven't heard, at least, of anybody saying, "No, no, it wasn't like that. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. Whatever." I, I mean, I'm sure the individual words aren't like that because you always have to compress it. It's a, it's a film. It's a, it's a two-hour years, film, not yeah. years of investigation. Um, but I, I don't think anybody has said that they were particularly misrepresented. No, and I think it's it. What I mean is by unique is that um, every other um, true film we've seen has been based on a book of some kind. Uh, mm. You know, Apollo thirteen was largely based on um, Jim. Oh my goodness, Lovell. Uh, Jim Lovell's book, um, and similarly, Argo was largely based on the the work of the. Well, it was mostly that. Was it New York it was, Times? It, it, was, it was, a was an news, article. It was a newspaper article, but yeah, um, there was a book produced afterwards. Whereas here, there wasn't a book. Re- I mean, the 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 actual stuff that was published was published in the Boston Globe, um, but it is more. It seems, I agree, more true to life. Uh, you know, we had big problems with Argo and its historical accuracy, and I think here. The accuracy seems to be pretty on the money. Yeah, there are changes, you know, for dram- dramatic effect. Um, but not actually, it, it doesn't really go for drama so much as compression and ease of comprehension. Well, uh, the, the, the other thing is that I think both of those films, um, kind of made heroes of particular guys. I mean, yeah, Lovell in one case, um, the CIA agent, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, this is not making heroes of the individuals. I, I think if it, if it is making anything heroic, it's the whole system of we have this investigative journalism unit and we let, we let them follow things in their own pace rather than sell a paper every week. I, I, to me, the whole film feels like, um, and this is where I have some, this is where we might differ slightly, it feels like a celebration of journalism. Um, yeah, this this is where it does for me cross over with Argo. It, you know, just, just as Argo feels like the, the story the CIA would tell itself. This, yes. this feels like the story the journalists would tell themselves as they type out the 87th press release of the day exactly. and blame the internet for nobody reading newspapers anymore. These are the people that you think of when you become a journalist. These are the people you want to be when you're a journalist. Yeah. But are a good 19, even in the film, you know, most of the journalists we meet are not the, the spotlight journalists. They hmm. are doing other stuff and they're just, they haven't got time and they're under a lot of pressures. Um, and so it, it's kind of a, and the, I think it's probably worth bearing in mind that once in a while these guys will get a huge thing and that will, that will make a lot of money, but most of the time they are being carried by the rest of the paper while they're doing their investigation. He has to work in order to make that work at all. Yes, and I suppose, um, for me, the point I was trying to make earlier is that it feels like the story, so we are about um, child abuse in the Catholic Church, but it really does feel to me that the story 
in it, capitals it, 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 could it, be it, any story. It, it's how we broke it. And, yes. and how, how we came up against opposition and we said, to hell with that, we're going to publish anyway. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's a good story to think because it's ingrained into Boston society. All these journalists are local journalists who've grown up in this environment mm-hmm. and they are... Yeah, and, and I, I think, I mean, someone may well correct me here, but I get the impression that the UK really just doesn't, isn't a religious enough country to have a Catholic city the way Boston is. It's funny... I mean, there, there are a lot of Catholics in Liverpool, but... Well, it's not, I mean, it's not, no, you know, America is technically a secular state, but I, I think Britain is, in, you know, in in practical effect, much more secular, probably mm. one of the most secular states in the world, probably, but, but certainly uh, compared to America, um, it just doesn't have that sense of community. The Catholic Church doesn't tie it. Maybe it did 50 years ago, um, but America is, uh, seems to be, and America's coming more towards that way, but seems to be... Uh, one of the few things culturally where America is behind the trend mm. that Britain seems to have gone down. Um, but yeah, I, I, that aside, there isn't a lot of heavy Catholic imagery. You know, I, I suppose other directors and other films I, might have been tempted to have long scenes in the church, watching prayers and sermons yeah, and, and, and Catholic. The, the obvious contrast of here is this gorgeous church and yeah. then here are these poor people, or here is this gorgeous church and here is this obviously dodgy guy running it or something yes. like that. It, yeah. yeah, I agree, it largely doesn't do that. Almost all of the scenes are set in the Boston Globe offices or in the interview, so basically it, they're what it, the it journalists It's really boring. It doesn't have a lot of visual pizzazz. I didn't find it so. Well, this is where I have a slight problem more with myself than the, <laughs> than the <laughs> film. Um, with Argo, we ragged on it a lot because it it creates drama and tension out of uh, falsehoods, basically. Hmm. I mean, it pretends there was a huge amount of drama at the airport when they were leaving, and it just, you know, that's not what happened. Um, and so... We both said, "Well, can't you just make drama out of something else? Just make it, the, the, just the, tell the, the truth." In the tense moments, yeah. yeah. But I am guilty of feeling, much as I enjoyed this film, slightly bored because it doesn't. Um, and that's okay. as, it's totally my fault. Well, well, no, I, I can I can try to. I, perhaps I'm so used to watching a traditional narrative, and, a, and and we do we have enjoyed films that are traditional narratives, particularly the you know the before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, um, maybe it's because it's recognisable Hollywood actors um, all doing the thing. And it looks like films that I've seen before. It's, it's very similar to All the President's Men and um, uh, the very contemporaneous uh, ooh, Steven Spielberg film about ooh, The Post. Is it The Washington Post? Uh, I think it was the post. Um, it looks very like those. This, this is what you get in a face-to-face recording. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, or it has a feel like network a little bit, you know, and the then, media yeah. types meeting. Um, but it doesn't pander to the dramatic form. It really just is. We're going to tell this story. Um, and, and in terms of narrative, it, it's doing that classic thing that authors get told to do of, of chop off the first chapter. And yeah. just, just let people come in and, and they'll pick it up easily enough. And for that matter, it doesn't show all the whole winding down at the end. It's just saying, OK, it's published and everybody wants to talk about it and that's the end of the dramatic bit of the story. And so that's where the, where the film ends. Well, that, that worked for me. I, I guess it it's things like, you know, where they could have wrung a lot more tension out of the getting these um, 
uh, papers released from the court. Um, you mm. know, there was struggle, and there were some. There were some slight Hollywoodisms, like uh, Mark Ruffalo's journalist character gets there just when they're closing, and he's banging on the door. No, let me in. I'll give you how much money do you want? Uh, and that felt slightly uh, mm. um, tension creating. But then they just kind of get released slightly anticlimactically, and it's not a big. Um, then again, that's that's probably that feels like more realistic to me. So. Well, this is my problem, really. It's I think in many ways, um, Spotlight is the film that I wanted Argo to be. It is much more realistic, and so I'm disappointed in myself that I was a little bored. <laughs> if I'm um, honest, it, it didn't hit me that way. I'm I'm trying to work out why because and it, it doesn't have a lot of the things I often look for, but. Mm. I don't know. It's pretty good acting. I mean, yes. uh, you've got a, got some really solid background players. I mean, Liv Schreiber is not a not a huge part for him, but he's always good. He's, maybe he's not stretching himself so much, but he well, he, he, he turns up. He does the thing. I love um, Liv Schreiber because I once saw him described as Liv Schreiber spell check nemesis. Stanley Tucci is as the um, always there as the lawyer. again. He, Have we he, ever had Stanley Tucci in Ribbon um, Rooms? I don't think so. Don't think so. He's a great. Um, yeah. I mean, he's not playing any any. Very far from it, from his epicenter of roles he can do in his sleep. Yeah, fair enough. But, yeah. he's, he, but he's doing a good job. Um, Michael Keaton, whom obviously we saw most recently in Birdman. Yeah, um, he works here. Oh yeah, I, I, the as, acting as, as the, the the tired journalist. But damn it, I'm going to do this job anyway. But none of them are kind of particularly played up to be. Uh, they're a hero underneath. They're just they're quite realistic character. I mean, they're they're all sort of shallow and given their two or three characteristics, and then they. Mm. But that's how films work, as we've seen. I quite also I quite liked Billy Crudup, uh, who was the the lawyer who prosecuted the original. Who they go and see, and then mm. it comes out. So he he was he's a part of it as well. He's yeah. a part of it as well, but then it turns out. He actually sent a list to the Globe who ignored mm. it. Um, yeah. And so I thought that was a really nice touch. And he's well played because he seemed, at first glance, he's like one of these slimy lawyers that you don't... But actually, he turns out to have a, a soul and ethics. <laughs> and that was just dropped in the bin. Um, uh, Rachel McAdams is very good here. The, there is all, one... Always well, welcome, yeah. Always welcome, Rachel McAdams. Uh, we did have... I've mentioned Mark Ruffalo before. And I do feel he is the, the most... Hollywoody character does that make well, sense? Well, there's a thing that a lot of young actors do, which is which is basically I, I am look I am trying not to look handsome because everybody knows me as a slab of beef from back when I, <laughs> from back when I was an underwear model or whatever. Yes. Um, so now I'm, I'm now I'm trying to prove I, I can be a serious actor as well. Yes. Which is fair enough. Um, most of them aren't, don't look that obvious when they're doing it. Oh, the, 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 there was I, a moment. I, I really got that feeling from him at this. When he has his, uh, tantrum, that they really have to release the story now, goddammit, they've got mm. the, they've got, um, law, the, the, uh, the, the cardinal, um, cardinal law sounds like a 2018 character. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, it will be. <laughs> um, I, that, uh, crazy. Hey, I'm I'm a funny mix of emotions here because that crept into. Ooh, this is too Hollywood to me. I don't. And I, I uh, to, by too Hollywood, I suppose what I'm saying is too dramatically defined. I have, and maybe this comes out of seeing a lot of films for ribbon of memes. But just like, oh, I've seen this before. I know what you're trying to say. It's too obvious what you're trying to tell me that uh, that mm. this character is doing this and he's got these narrative beats. Um, 
Uh, on the other hand, for me, there was one perfect moment. I can't now remember who it was who, who was saying, you could be a pain in the ass, Mike. But then he, he looks back and forth and realises, holy crap, he really means it. He's not just joshing around. And, and he, his expression when he's doing that, you know, completely wordless bit, is yeah. great. Yeah. So. I mean, the acting is, I, I'm feeling bad. Mark Ruffalo worked less well for me than everyone else here. But... Uh, there's some, I mean, some really good actors and some really good acting. Um, and it's, it, it is an interesting, I, I did like Lee Schreiber's, yeah, his interesting character. You never really quite get his motivations, but then, you know, no, this isn't a film where everyone has to have their moment of, well, this is my, this is my childhood and this is why I'm doing this in this film. But we are going to play the, uh, atheistic Christ-hating Jew card. <laughs> yes. But the, the way they do it is, yeah, you know what we're going to say here. I don't need to say it to you out loud because you have heard all this crap before. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was nice. <laughs> and you're going to hear it again. It's clear the prejudice that he's facing, but you never. He does. He never really pushes his point of view. He pushes his agenda quite strongly, but he never really pushes hmm. why. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a well-written, well, uh, clearly well-researched, and as far as I could tell in the limited research I did about the story, it is pretty accurate. Um, and I, I love some of the visual stuff. You have the proper old-fashioned newspaper morgue where, where you have, you have the, um, rotary filing systems and you, you know, type oh, up the index number and it brings up the Oh, that was, oh, that was, I must say, yeah, that was <laughs> a moment of beauty. And yeah. uh, my, my immediate reaction to, to looking through the directories was, wouldn't it be faster to scan them? I'm sure I had a scanner in 2001. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, but yeah, just seeing them go through the microfilms, um, Oh, the other thing I liked uh, is that the whole story just gets interrupted by September the 11th. Mm. And that's not, in a you know, if you're writing a narrative like, you would just be like, well, what, that's got nothing to do with the story. Why do that? But it just, it had the ring of truth to it, that suddenly everyone's off the case and they've got all this um, to we, do. We, we, we want to write war in 36-inch high letters across the front page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it felt... It, yeah, it had very much the ring of truth, and it showed you the kind of pressures they got put on. You all, it was interesting, you never felt, again, another screenwriter or another director could have made this like a battle for survival of Spotlight. You, you know, why does everyone have Spotlight? What have they ever done for us? And it could have been a whole thing that they're under yeah, threat there's, of there's cancellation. Yeah, there's a bit of that at the beginning. It's a teeny bit, but it isn't. There's not really not any developed. suggestion yeah. that Spotlight is going to get cancelled or anything like that. It, it's just, it felt like a sort of a quiet celebration of journalists doing an investigation. Mm. <laughs> um um, it, it, okay, it is a bit self-congratulatory. I mean, mm. The thing that I was expecting from a narrative point of view, I, I wasn't particularly familiar with the original uh, subject matter, was, was more internal opposition. I mean, you've got uh, the guy mm. who's clearly meant to be the bad face of leadership saying, you know, do, do we really want to piss yeah. off the Catholic priests? They, they, they do good stuff for us. Um, but he, he, he never really fights it hard. It, he's, it, and that, yeah, that's quite possibly true. He's sort of half on their side and half... But, but if you're expecting a conventional narrative, that can be a little disorientating. Well, I think it did disorientate me a bit, because he's slightly set up as like... So you think, oh, is, is he actually going to be much more complicit? It actually turns out to be Michael Keaton's character, who's been sort of complicit, but you never really feel... You know, clearly what had happened to him was he got this... Uh, I was going to say email, it wouldn't have been email, but he got this thing and just thought, all right, yeah, we it, filed it. it, 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 it it's, one of, it's one of 30 things crossing my desk this morning... 
can I make a story out of it right now more than any of the other things? Probably not. So it's going to get forgotten. Yeah. And but also it, it doesn't really play up his guilt about that. He feels a bit bad about it, but he kind of understands how it happened. And mm-hmm. Everyone else kind of understands how it happened too. But there's, there's also, I mean, some that's just a matter of being grown up. I mean, you you could throw around a whole lot of blame at that point, but it wouldn't help. Yes, but they were all, all these little things were slight kind of tweaks and plot points, kind of dangling threads that, a bit like the 2001 really, that I think just, they would have, you know, in a tightly written, perfectly edited screenplay, like Jaws, okay, (laughs) there is not, there's not really a line that doesn't serve the plot in any way, Mm -hmm. there is either this is to strengthen this character, this is to show this subplot, this is to do this, there isn't a wasted moment of, of celluloid and here it is more just like well this character's a bit like this this character and, and it's true to life because that's you know life doesn't serve a narrative well that that was one of the other things um it would would have been very easy to imply that abuse in the church stopped after the story was broken and this is very clearly not the case and and they don't just let you assume that they they have they have an end title saying yeah this is still happening yes yeah um, and the thing that would, I, th- I think was apparent in 2015, I, I don't know to what extent the, the filmmakers are aware of it, but in, in, I think in large part because of this and related um, publicity, people are much more prepared to talk about it. Well, I also, I did appreciate in this film we do get, and it's not explicit in any, you know, and again, in other films we could have had, you know, shots of darkened rooms and, you know, silent views through a window of a, of a, a priest putting his hand on a kid's leg. No, it is all told through the narrative of the victims and they are telling it from a position of trauma mm. and they're being almost... Oh, that's the thing I really loved. The, the, the guy who is, is, who is um, the head of the survivors support group. Yes. At the same time he is clearly a bit unhinged and a bit obsessive. Yes. But also you can see why. Yes. And, no, and nobody has wanted to listen to him. And yeah, and that, that, that is a really nice performance. I, I, I've lost track now of who, who the actor was. I, I, I absolutely, yeah, we're great on, <laughs> we're great on live <laughs> performance. But, um, I, yeah, I agree. All the victims, um, you know, we have the, the character who describes, um, going back to this, uh, the cool, um, priest's house and then forced mm. to give him oral sex and it, it's just it's not it's not matter of fact because it's told from Trump but it's all it's told as you know as someone would tell you if you were in that position and there's no mm. there's no kind of attempt to artistize that or play any you know violins or anything during it it's just a person describing I I don't remember I, the I, I, I assume the, the script was largely based on the, on the reporting, so that so they could have had actual reports that people gave permission to be quoted, and they could have used those in the script. I assume they did. I, I think I certainly, you know, the film was lauded for its accuracy, and I, mm. unlike Argo, it didn't take much digging to find out, you know, <laughs> well that didn't happen, yeah. and that wasn't true. That was not the case with Spotlight. You know, there may have been some inaccuracies there, but it, it feels. It gets to the point where you trust them enough that if something is wrong, they made a decision as to why they were going to conflate that character or change the timeline a little bit. The other thing that really struck... Uh, so, yeah, I really like the the way the victims were handled. I thought quite sensitively. And also it was... They spoke quite explicitly about what happened to it, but it wasn't gratu- what happened to them. Mm. And I think there is a danger of just saying 
child abuse and leaving it at that. And then it's sort of to your imagination what that means. And that can mean anything from a hand on the leg or an inappropriate cuddle to, you know, full on sexual abuse. But you also don't want it to be pornographic for the sort of people who might get off on that. Exactly. And I thought it was handled very well. That It was just like, this is literally what happened to me. And it was it didn't dwell on it, it wasn't everyone that said that, but when it was done... But also, as, as they're saying it, that they are clearly remembering the trauma. Yes, you know, yeah. E- even if, okay, maybe it felt like, felt like felt okay at the time, but oh boy, it really doesn't feel okay in retrospect. Well, again, I think that's something that gets missed in the... You know, it's not all... Uh, uh, um, pain and horror, you know. There is an element of... Uh, there's an element of... Uh, uh, confused affection and, you know, feelings of unrequited love and that kind of I, thing that I, comes into it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert in this. I, I suspect that there may, there may be room for this sort of post-abuse counselling um, to, to say, to, to try to make it less, you know, yes, it was bad, but it doesn't have to be a traumatic memory. I don't know. There, yeah. there may well be good reasons why people are still traumatised by it. Yes. So, I don't know. Yeah, but it was, well, again, we're not, you know, qualified, but it felt true to life. And similarly, there was another moment where, um, I think it's Rachel McAdams' journalist, uh, encounters one of the priests who just quite openly talks about the abuse he committed. But I didn't do bad things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah he just doesn't, re- he doesn't get, and that was, again, I did look into that, and that, you know, that absolutely happened. She met, and it was, she was blown away by how open he was about it because he didn't, think he'd done anything wrong um well and, but come come back to one of those things we always say you know no nobody's saying things of himself as a villain exactly yeah so he he seemed a bit perplexed that anyone would think it was a weird thing and, and why mm. it caused a kerfuffle and that felt very true to life i mean there was there is a ton to like about this film and i what's disappointed me is that it's a, a to me it's everything that argo I'm, I'm picking on Argo specifically because <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's kind of the opposite of Argo. It did. Well, the, the timing works for, for McCarthy and others to have seen Argo before this was made. Oh, uh, it does everything right in a lot of ways. Um, I'm just a bit disappointed that I was... Uh, slight, may, uh, maybe I was slightly underwhelmed because there weren't really any surprises in the film. They, uh, it was surprising to the journalists you know, the extent of Catholic abuse, but mm. largely because of that story and others inspired by it, we are not surprised by that. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I've known people who were trying to get that story out before this happened, and I, and I suspect they got a bit pissed off that everybody else gets the glory because they, you know, they, these guys get the glory because these guys were the ones who happened to work for a major newspaper. And managed to get... And, and yeah, and it's talked uh, about that, you know, Stanley Tucci's character has already had this story published in a smaller paper that mm. nobody read. And I am, you know, I, I wasn't brought up Catholic, but my dad was. And I did, you know, the venom, he was brought up in a Catholic school. And uh, the venom that he talks about, and there was no <laughs> sexual abuse, but certainly the venom that he talks about um, the Catholic priests uh, with. Uh, so it wasn't, I suppose what I'm saying is it wasn't a surprise to me the extent of it, partially because of um, what my dad used to tell me and partially because of what we found out as a result of this stuff. And so, mm, as, as far as the story goes, the story wasn't a surprise. The journalists were interesting, but not particularly... They were just very good journalists who did investigating, which is how I'm going to say it from now on. <laughs> um, and they were interesting human 
some a bit flawed, but not you know not Hollywood flawed. They were just <laughs> humans. Um, uh, and I, I, ultimately, that left me a little flat as I, far as yeah. what happened in the whole film. I can't disagree with anything you're saying. But yeah. it did work for me yeah, overall. Yeah. Um, it did. It did hold together. Um, yes, it, it is the lies journalists like to te- like to tell themselves that this is what the job is really like. Yeah, but even so, I am I, I am definitely going to call this a masterpiece. All right. So for me, uh, I feel like I have to. But uh, the, the fact that I'm to. saying it, I, I'm, well, not, I'm not going to spurn you for saying for saying. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if it, you know, th- we've had a lot of films that are pretty good, but there is just something that spoils it. I've certainly said that for other things. So. Well, I don't quite know what spoils it, other than it just... And I, this is why I'm kind of blaming myself. It just didn't quite land for me emotion. It never moved me emotionally, and I guess I feel like uh, it probably should for me for it to be a masterpiece. So it just falls short of that for me. That's fair enough. But I I cannot fault it on the script or the acting. Have, or you, have you seen other stuff by Tom McCarthy? No, um, I have. What, what else is he um, Things he was known for mostly at this point, The Station Agent, which I know nothing about. I've heard of, I haven't seen it. And Up. He did Up. Yeah. Now, well, that's interesting, because Up made me cry. <laughs> and so, Up is a really, really good film. Um, which, I, in fact, I've not seen, but I've heard good things about I it. I strongly recommend it, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it, so that he has, certainly has plenty of heart. I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I've said enough other than <laughs> I am at fault here, not the film. So, uh, elsewhere in cinema in 2015, uh, Academy Awards. Go on then, let's hear it. Um, I think Spotlight did alright, didn't it? It did alright. It, it depends on how, how you rate it. Because, um, well, there, there are two things. You, you can measure the number of awards something wins. Or you can measure the number of major awards it wins. And yes. to me, the major ones are, you know, film director, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, uh, original screenplay, adapted screenplay. Yes. The big eight for me. Yeah. I mean, this is not to diminish anybody else, but the, these are the ones that seem to me to be the ones Hollywood gives to the films it regards as important. Yeah, I think that... Uh, and, and, and we do get a split on this because Mad Max Fury Road gets six awards, six, six Academy Awards, but none of them is one of the big ones. Okay, about which further anon, I suppose? Uh, the Revenant, which we considered for this, because it's in Naruto. Um, yeah, uh, who we've enjoyed before a number of times, but, uh, but, but, with reservations. Um, but it's also um, a, a lot of abuse for an extended period. I it, mean, it sounds a bit torture-porny to me. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't fancy it. But anyway, that got three, including director and actor. Okay. Uh, Spotlight got two, picture and original screenplay. Quite unusual okay. to see a picture-director split. Um, another one we considered for this, um, Brie Larson in Room for Actress. Oh yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing That's that. I might still one watch. I'm almost certainly going to watch on, yeah. on, on my own account anyway, and we may come back to it at some point. Um, supporting actor was Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies, which was, uh, it's one of Spielberg it? doing the whole spy exchange thing. Yes, yeah. I can't remember the historical event now. Uh, yeah, but it, again, it's, I do like Mark Rylance, um, with reservation sometimes, but uh, I, d- I haven't seen the film. Uh, supporting actress was Alicia Vikander in The Danish Girl, and wow. uh, adapted screenplay was The Big Short. Now, I have seen The Big Short, which I did enjoy very much. Um, 
Dear man, I feel like by 2015 I'd largely given up watching films. <laughs> Maybe this is why. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember whether I've said before, but tough luck. I'm going to say it again. Um, the the whole sound mixing thing for me. Um, yeah. The last, last few times I went to a cinema, the backgrounds, background music and effects were tremendously loud, uh, and at the same time the dialogue was relatively soft. Yeah. Now I can understand that if I'm listening on, on a thing at home because the, the 5.1 is mixed down to stereo and, and sometimes that's done wrong. But, the, but whether, whether it is the cinema's not adjusting things right for my taste and maybe to somebody else's taste, I don't know, but it makes, it makes watching a film very difficult for me. Apparently there's all manner of reasons why films are, are basically muffled nowadays or worthwhile. And one of it, not least of which, is just the loss of skill of making dialogue audible. Mm. Um, and, which is why I watch a lot of films with subtitles nowadays. Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, Marianne's top ten list uh, did not include Spotlight, though she, though she gave it a very positive review. Okay. Uh, did did include uh, Mad Max Fury Road and Room. Uh as for the box office, it's almost a complete disconnect. Okay, let's. I've been less disappointed by the box office than I thought I'd be of late, but let's see where well, we are. Well, there are, I think, two that aren't part of a series here. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, at number ten, The Martian. Uh, oh, re- I like The Martian. I've read the book. Um, I think the book had one or two major errors in it, but nah. <laughs> I, I almost I don't want to revisit it. I mostly enjoyed it. Because uh, I, I think I would... Uh, it's the kind of film that invites being picked apart technically, and I that would make me sad, I think, to do it with the Martians. Did you say you needed somebody to pick apart a, a film about space operations? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've already done it with Gravity <laughs> and Apollo 13. Uh, number nine, uh, Hunger Games, Walking Joe Part 2. Uh, I think that may be the last of the split, the last last film into two that I, I, that I met. Uh, well, there's it's the Avengers Endgame and Avengers uh, uh, was Infinity. That, was that... I, I don't know. It felt like one long I think film. I, they were very, don't get me wrong, it's a very good film, or two films, but it was a split, sort uh, of. So, number eight, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Don't ask me which Mission Impossible that is, that's why right. they don't put numbers on them. All right, yeah. Uh, number seven, Inside Out. That was that was the you know the little emotional people in, oh, inside yeah. somebody's head, which I, I haven't seen it, but I heard good things about it. It is good, it is good. Uh, number six, Spectre, another James Bond film. Uh, yeah, a bad one. Number five, Minions. That's the one I think about the early history of the Minions before they got to before they met Groove. It ends with the meeting Groove. Yeah. It's all right. I know these were better than I should, <laughs> but it's all right. It's, it's quite good. Um, um, and I, I, I think I've said I, I very much enjoyed the first. Despicable Me. This, um, and then the second one just see. Even though it had the same screenwriters and director, uh, it just seemed to me to lose all the things that one had got right. But. Yeah. Such as That's like, always a shame on that. Uh, n- number four, Avengers: Age of Ultron. That, which is not one of that pair, is it? So. No, that's uh, <laughs> they're not very good. I don't. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, number three, Furious Seven. <laughs> but um, <laughs> by this point, they had definitely got away from anything except cartoon physics. I think for our April Fools' episode, we should do it. Every <laughs> single Fast and Furious. <laughs> Yeah, the, or at the, least say we're going to. The, the last one of those I saw was number three, and uh, if, if you cannot say the lines before they are said, you have not seen very many other films. Okay. Yeah, com- complete the sentence. If you're going to live in my house, uh, you'd live by my rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, number two, Jurassic World. Uh, I haven't seen that. I think that was really. the first of the modern series. I think it was, uh, but not really a lot of interest in what. Indeed. 
Um, also, I, I listen to the Terrible Lizards podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Very scathing about. It's fun to hear the uh, the odd rant about Michael Crichton. And at number one, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which I will probably watch someday. Yeah, that's the one. I, I felt no enthusiasm for doing so. But so. I liked it at the time, but by the end of that new trilogy, it just didn't seem a lot of point, honestly. <laughs> but there we are. Look, I, I actually that that it wasn't that film. It was the Last Jedi that made me feel. I'm just a bit old to watch this kind of space film now. Well, that, that's one thing. I mean, they, they they haven't been making Doctor Who for me for about forty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also um, the why do they keep bringing back in the same visual elements, the same characters? It's supposed to be a huge, great universe. You're telling the stories about the same few people. Yeah, it's almost like the universe shrinks a little bit every time. That with the original trilogy, everywhere they went was new and exciting and original, and it just felt like. But, but well, this place is huge. But now you've got to get in the old fans, so you've got to say it's this place and it's that place and it's yeah. Well, this is now the thing. You know, my son has very little interest in Star Wars because that's an old guy thing that old guys like. <laughs> and I, just, I think that's never fair mind, enough. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fair enough that what they're going to think of when they're growing up. Oh, it's probably some dick on YouTube, anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just it's it's for us. But uh, it didn't feel like it was for me. It's for all mm. aging fanboys, much like the Marvel films are. Honestly, you know, kids don't read comics anymore. <laughs> anyway, but that is spotlight. That is spotlight, and that is our investigated investigate. That is our... How we found stuff out. (laughs) That's how we found stuff out about spotlights. Um, Well, there we are. Another word as well as protected... (laughs) (laughs) Protectatron that I cannot say, so let's avoid all of those things in the future. So who said, I think the world is being much helped by the suffering of the poor people? (laughs) 